Hi, I'm Jack Griffin. And I'm David Peters. Welcome to Gap Chat, where we interview our fellow gappers about how they are taking charge of their year. This episode's guest is Camille Luong, a current gapper in Stanford's class of 2025. Hi, Camille. Hello. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing great, and I'm glad to hear you're doing well. Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm from St. Pete, Florida. I can just start off with the things that I did in high school, I guess. So I was a pretty active debater in high school. Um, I did Lincoln-Douglas debate, and so that just took up a lot of time in high school. I feel like it's a pretty big part of my experience. Mm -hmm. I also did ethics bowl in high school, and so... Yeah, that's just where you compete in a team setting and debate about ethics. And yeah, both of these things kind of contributed to my academic interests in a way. And so maybe in college, I'm hoping to pursue something like political science. What do you like about debate and ethics bowl? They're both very research heavy and argumentation heavy. Uh, and so both of those things combined in a humanity setting was really appealing to me. Also, I'm very competitive, so <laughs> yeah. I also really liked that Lincoln Douglas had a philosophy-based focus, mm. which also intersected with like my interest in ethics bowl, so yeah. So what have you been doing on your gap year? So I guess I'll preface by saying that I took a gap year because of COVID. Mm -hmm. There's literally no other reason. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, like, I'm not going to even try and sugarcoat it. Like some people are like, yeah, I really wanted to like, <laughs> like explore myself <laughs> or, or like, like look at my career. Like, no, I, I did it because I was scared of what college would look like for me if I didn't take a gap year. And if I just went in during COVID. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I decided to just go for it. I honestly had a really hard time finding things to do in the first month. Like it was very, very challenging because mm -hmm. like, you know, I've kind of lived my whole life planning everything at least 10 years in advance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so that was a huge thing for me. By the end of September, I had found like kind of a groove. Um, so for, I guess, just to segment the way that my gap year has been going during the fall, I did a lot of like miscellaneous tutoring in addition to like tutoring English as a second language to people in Korea. Um, and I also did a lot of phone banking and just uh, digital election outreach in Pennsylvania targeting Asian Americans. And so, yeah, I was pretty involved in the election cycle in the fall. I also was kind of involved in Stanford's effective altruism program. And so I learned about that. Can you tell us more about that? Basically, it's thinking of ways to, they say, do good better, which means like when you donate, using things like evidence and statistics to evaluate the effectiveness of the charity, but mm -hmm. also when you choose your career, using evidence basically to back up which careers are the most impactful. Mm -hmm. And so they go into all of that, right? And so I did a fellowship with them for a couple of months in which I learned about the ins and outs, I guess. So yeah, I guess that propelled me into like this, the next portion of my gap year, because at the end of the fellowship, I did a lot of like career research. Um, and like mm -hmm. one of the really impactful fields that they focus on is international security, specifically as it relates to U.S. Asia Pacific relations, um, mm -hmm. things like nuclear security, um, and also just security in general when it comes to U.S. and China. And so it was like 
yeah, it's good to learn Chinese. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, like that's like what I did. Um, I have been studying Mandarin. So at the end of the fellowship, like I was like, this is like a good thing for me to invest in. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I've been studying Mandarin since the middle of November. Mandarin's a difficult language. How have you gone about studying it? I think that language learning has always been pretty daunting for me because I took French for six years and I don't speak a lick of French. (laughs) So I think that I always kind of, you know, the mindset where it's like, if I'm not the best at it, then I'm not good at it. (laughs) So that's kind of how I approached French. I just felt like, oh, I don't have a knack for language learning, I guess. But I think that a lot of things about the way I approached learning languages had to change when I decided to learn Mandarin. And a lot of the motives for learning Mandarin were different than Mm -hmm. learning a language in a school setting. And so a couple of things, like first, I really wanted to learn it to be able to speak it and use it in my career, right? Whether I get get there or not is another story, but that was (laughs) right? And that's different than one DNA. There's no tests too. So learning for the sake of learning is quintessential, right? Like literally my metric for whether I'm doing well or not is if I know it, not a number, right? And so like, I actually try to use different ways to like make sure that I know it and can use it. Yeah. And so those two things, uh, I think motive and then approach to learning heavily impact the way that I learned the language and the success I'm able at which I'm able to learn the language. But then like for Mandarin as a language itself, I am Vietnamese. So I grew up kind of speaking, I grew up speaking Vietnamese with my family at a pretty mm-hmm. conversational level. And like, I can understand a lot more than I can speak, but yeah, because I grew up listening to it and speaking it, the concept of tonal languages is very easy to me. What are you using to self-study? I bought like the course on Coursera, which mm-hmm. is $50 a month. I think it's a good deal because I would rather pay that than like a weekly lesson with a tutor. Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm using Coursera, which is more of a guide. It's more of like a lesson guide because it's just structured. Right. And so I'm studying according to the HSK, uh, which is the standardized like Chinese proficiency test. Mm-hmm. And I try to do other things like watch Chinese shows. Uh, My boyfriend is Chinese. He's Chinese American, but like he helps me practice a lot. And I have Chinese friends who I can ask grammar questions to. But yeah, that's my way of studying is just trying to incorporate it in my life as much as possible. And Mm -hmm. um, just trying to keep at it and follow the structure that Coursera provides. I did want to squeeze in this one thing at some point during our, our podcast, though. I think that Something that scared me about taking a gap year was not having it be the traditional gap year experience insofar as people take a gap year to, one, discover themselves, two, to travel the world. And (laughs) um, obviously these things were out of the picture because of COVID, right? And so this is very much not a gap year. It's a COVID gap year. And I think that social media also really made it difficult for me to feel okay with taking Mm -hmm. a gap year. Because even when other people take gap years, like some of them have the capacity to like move out and travel a lot more. And this this over this conversation about imposter syndrome is honestly like a little bit oversaturated, but it's it's very much imposter syndrome. There was a lot of heart, like I, I experienced a lot of imposter syndrome at the beginning of my gap year, feeling like I wasn't doing a gap year the right way, or as 
good as my Stanford peers were doing it. And so, yeah, I just want to say that, like, I don't know, I'm highlighting things right now as I'm talking about the things I'm doing during my gap year, but it was very much just whatever came up, right? I didn't plan any of it. And there's not really a theme to it. It's just (laughs) me doing miscellaneous things and sitting at home all the time. So I just wanted to say that, like, I think that that's okay, especially given the situation. And I find that, like, a lot of my peers are doing the same thing, just staying at home and trying to find things to do. And I guess if I had one takeaway for my gap year, at least in the middle of it, it would be that it's okay to do nothing. it's okay to do nothing because, you know, I've spent my whole life doing something. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Jack, I mean, I feel like both of us are the the shared, I feel like there is an absolutely shared experience, especially this year for gappers of just like, you have to push through that feeling of like, feeling like everyone else is doing fun things and you're not, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I'm going to be honest, I, whenever in high school, when people would ask me what I did in my free time or what my hobbies were, I'm not even exaggerating. I would literally be at a loss for words. <laughs> I would never know how to answer that question. Cause like my immediate response is like, I just work like literally in high school, whenever I had free time, I would just fill it in with something else to do, like to be productive. I, I genuinely wow. did not have any free time in, in high school. So, so like during my gap year, like I actually like have hobbies now, which is like insane that I can exist outside of my <laughs> resume. What are, what are, what are some of the things you're now doing with your free time? Yeah. Tell us about your hobbies. I really like biking. Um, I like biking around my neighborhood. Florida has pretty nice weather. And so I just like biking for like, I, I just go around my neighborhood and then go to like surrounding neighborhoods. Um, nice. And I like, will bike to my elementary school every now and then. My grandparents and my cousins live pretty close. So sometimes I'll bike to their house. It's it's literally like just for fun because I always had this mentality growing up. Like, I think I mentioned this earlier. Like if I'm not the best at something, then I shouldn't mm-hmm. do it. And I literally did that for everything. Literally, I wouldn't do something unless I could be the best at it. So anyway, like, obviously, I'm not ever going to be the best at biking. I just, <laughs> I just <laughs> like doing it. Yeah. And then so why don't you tell us about, is there anything else that you've been doing on your gap year that you want to talk about? So one thing that I that has stayed constant for the entirety of my gap year is that I have been constantly or consistently tutoring English. Um, the website is called Wrangle. <laughs> And it's like a Korean startup company, like startup by Stanford MBAs, but it's like based in Korea. Mm -hmm. And it's like an English tutoring service for like Korean adults. Apparently has like a really big reputation in Korea, but like obviously we are not in Korea. So like we don't know about it, but it's like pretty expensive. And like um, a lot of companies pay for their people, like people at their company to Mm -hmm. take it uh, so that they can have like English lessons and like improve on their English for work. So that's like my primary source of income. uh, And so I've really enjoyed doing that. Just like I do it in the mornings and the evenings because of the time difference. And I think that like probably the biggest thing that I've been able to take away from it is one, I kind of like teaching English. I don't know. I just like like talking about grammar and idioms okay. and things like that. Um, but two, teaching adults another language or watching adults learn a second language is like kind of inspiring. Um, <laughs> like a lot of people think that the only way to learn a language is like, uh, and become fluent in it is when we were like really young. But yeah, I don't know. I'm just like kind of inspired by like the tenacity, I guess, or the dedication of yeah. like 
these just like random adults that I see who are just like learning English, which is like so hard. And so in a way it has really pushed me to like study Mandarin and like be consistent at it um, mm-hmm. because I'm just like doing it on their own as they are doing, like as they are like um, using their time and energy and money to study English on their own. Um, and so, yeah, I try to apply the same mindsets and uh, yeah. <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to say to people who are considering a gap year for in 2021? So I'm not sure if I would advise anyone to do gap year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The reason I took it is because of COVID. And I don't know if that's going to be the situation anymore. I will say that I think that gap year students end up being a lot more mature and ready to go into college right? It's not because of what you do during your gap year, but it's the fact that you're a year removed from high school. Mm. And I think that the mindset that you have when you go in, when you are in high school and the mindset that is required to succeed in high school at this level is like really toxic. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like me existing outside of the context of high school being, and I mean like literally just being a year removed from high school is helpful. Like, I can't imagine like going from like worrying about like the SATs to like starting (laughs) at Stanford. Like there's a really big like maturity gap, I think between like taking a gap year or like being a year away from like all of that nonsense. So yeah. Anything else you want to say to go on the podcast or? Oh, one last thing. The concept of delayed gratification was really big to me while I was deciding to take a gap year. And so obviously delayed gratification was something that I had ingrained in my mindset all throughout high school, where I had to push off any sort of satisfaction so that I could work and like get into a good school, right? And so the same thing here where I was like, why would I take uh, start school now when I can just suffer through a gap year and then <laughs> potentially get a normal college experience, right? Right, right. And so- Honestly, that mindset can be a little bit damaging sometimes, especially in the context of like COVID and quarantine, because the reason why I didn't really make a huge attempt to move out or like do anything super big in the first, I guess, half of my gap year is because Mm -hmm. I felt like I should continue to delay my gratification. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I should just not really, I should just stay at home. I should just force myself to endure this because the more I delay my gratification, the better my gratification is going to be. And that's literally the mindset that took me through high school, right? And so that's why I'm, like, trying to break out of that right now. So I'm, like, trying to move out because I'm, like, you know, even if I feel like I don't deserve this or I feel like I should just wait it out, then, like, I should just do it anyways. All right. Camille, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, it was lovely talking to you guys. And thank you for listening to Gap Chat. This episode was made possible by Gordon Ramsay's f***ing swear jar. As always, I'm Jack Griffin. And I'm David Peters. Stay tuned for new episodes every Saturday.